There aren't a lot of people on this planet who haven't heard of Moses. Hollywood's made a number of movies about him, and DreamWorks made a great one called The Prince of Egypt. Moses was born to a Levite couple at a throw-the-baby-boy-in-the-water time. You know about the basket and being placed in the Nile, and you probably know he was found by Pharaoh's daughter, and her heart was warmed when she saw the little Hebrew in the basket. You may even know about Miriam, Moses' big sister, hiding in the reeds to watch, and her offer to Pharaoh's daughter to find a nursing mother to care for the baby boy. That nursing mother was Moses' mother. But you probably didn't know she had him for three to four years. The text tells us until Moses was weaned. We find it odd to see a mom breastfeeding a one-year-old baby today, but that was in no way unusual in biblical times. No microwaves? Breast milk was the ultimate convenient food. In biblical times, children were weaned at three or even four years old. I ask my students if any of them have a three or four-year-old little brother or sister. Someone always does. Then I ask, what does your little brother or sister understand and what can he do? Man, do I get a list, from being the center of entertainment to even beginning to read. I ask that student, does he know what the family expects? What's right and wrong and important? And they say, he absolutely does, though he doesn't always obey it. File that away. Under the care of his Hebrew mother, Moses was shaped as a toddler. Somewhere around preschool, he's given back to Pharaoh's daughter, and he's raised, as the movie says, as a prince of Egypt. Fast forward 40 years, he is now well-trained, well-educated, well-respected, a grandson of Pharaoh himself. The next thing we're told is one day when he's 40, he sees an Egyptian guard beating a Hebrew slave. Looking both ways, he strikes the Egyptian, killing him, then buries him in the sand. He takes sides. The next day, he sees two Hebrews fighting and intervenes again. This time, one of the men says, Who made you a judge over us? Are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Moses realized the cat's out of the bag. If they know, Pharaoh knows. Moses is terrified. He runs to Midian. Midian is hundreds of miles straight east through a Mars-like landscape desert. It may not be the end of the world, but you can definitely see it from there. He no sooner arrives in Midian when he sees a shepherdess being bullied at a well. He puts on his hero cape and rescues her. She takes him home and introduces him to her father Jethro. Soon, Moses, the prince of Egypt, marries a nobody Midian shepherdess, and they soon have a nobody Midian son, Gershon. Exodus tells us nothing about the next four decades of Moses' life. He spends it tending sheep at the end of the world. He's a nobody in a place nobody would want to be, tending a bunch of no-good sheep. In a future chapter of the Bible, God will say about him, he became the humblest man alive. Meanwhile, back in Egypt, the cries of the children of Israel become deafening before God. Their situation is unbearable. It's time for the merciful, promise-keeping God to act. It's time to have this baby nation. So he goes looking for the midwife he's chosen, Moses in Midian. The story picks up at the burning bush. Moses, out tending sheep, sees a bush on fire. 
It's not so odd that dry brush in the middle of nowhere catch fire, but it is when brush burns but doesn't burn up. Out of this bush, God speaks to him. Moses, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's time to keep my promise. I'm bringing my people out of Egypt into a land I've promised them, and I'm going to have you lead them out. If this had happened 40 years earlier, Moses might have replied, Good choice. I'm the perfect guy. I know Egypt. I know Israel. I'm smart. I know the language. I pretty much got it going on. But it's 40 years later. Moses is now a broken man, and he starts to make excuses for them, as a matter of fact. His first excuse, God, who am I? I'm a zero. God's reply, Moses, so you're a zero. I'll be with you. That makes us a ten. Moses' second excuse, who are you? If I go to Pharaoh and say, God and I together are a ten, let my people go. And he asks, who's this God of yours? What should I say? God's reply, I am who I am. We could spend several word picture podcasts on that statement alone, but we'll figure it out as we go. But I will tell you this, it may be the most important name God gives himself to us. In Hebrew, it's four letters, Y-H-W-H, pronounced Yahweh, Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God who is. This is a biggie. Still, Moses makes excuses. They won't listen to me. God says, okay, that's reasonable. So maybe they'll listen if I give you some powerful signs. What's that in your hand? Moses said, a staff. Throw it down. When Moses throws it down, it becomes a serpent. Moses was terrified. God says, pick it up. Moses delicately grabs it by the tail and it becomes a staff again. God says, put your hand into your shirt. Moses puts his sun-kissed, olive-colored hand into his shirt. Now pull it out, God says. When he pulls it out, it's as white as sour cream. The text says it was leprous. Put it back in your shirt, Moses, and pull it out again. Moses does, and when he pulls it out, it's tanned like it was before. If that's not enough to convince Pharaoh, you'll have one more little sign. You'll be able to turn the water of the Nile to blood. Those weren't tricks to impress Pharaoh. They were given to Moses so that Pharaoh might listen to the words of God coming out of his mouth. But Moses isn't finished. His final excuse, I can't talk good. I know that's bad English, but it's accurate. Moses says he's slow of speech. Some think he stuttered, and if so, it wouldn't be real impressive to Pharaoh, the powerful Egyptian ruler, to have an old Midian shepherd stuttering threats out in front of him. It could also mean he just couldn't come up with the words quickly. He wasn't a wordsmith. God's response? Moses, uh, who made your mouth? If I made it, I think I can make it work fine, thank you. Having made four excuses, Moses then goes to the well one too many times. He says to God in the bush, send someone else. I won't do it. Now God pulls rank. Moses, you will lead my people out. And I'm going to use Aaron, your brother, to help. In fact, you'll whisper my word into Aaron's ear, and he will be the spokesman on my behalf. I tell my students, on the quiz, I'm going to ask a true or false question. True or false, it was not Moses, but Aaron who said to Pharaoh, Let my people go. That's true. 
Give him credit. Moses, God's midwife, packs his bags and heads back toward Egypt. He too will be going to the land God promised, so he brings his wife and son Gershon. On the way, something very strange is said in the text. Camping for the night, it said God sought to kill him. Moses' wife quickly circumcises Gershon, then throws the foreskin at Moses, saying, You're a bloody husband to me. This is weird. The why God was upset is pretty obvious. Moses, the midwife, had not circumcised his own son, Gershon, as God had commanded all his people to do. Moses can't lead the people out unless he leads by example. The bigger question is, who is God seeking to kill? It could have been either Moses or Gershon. Mrs. Moses' reaction suggests to me it was Gershon. As the journey west continues and Moses plods along, in some way God speaks to Moses again. Moses, FYI, this isn't going to be easy. Aaron meets up with him and escorts him to the tribal leaders. Moses and Aaron repeat to them God's words and then show them the miraculous signs God had given them in the staff, the leprous hand, and the blood. The children of Israel were convinced God had heard, and they worshipped him. Perhaps the words of God on Moses' journey were ringing in his head as he watched the leaders of the tribes of the children of Israel worship. FYI, Moses, this is not going to be easy. Is that an understatement? Moses knew. Pharaoh was not going to just let Egypt slaves waltz out of that place. It was going to take some persuading. And we'll see how God did that persuading in our next word picture.